You're listening to Theology and Apologetics with Thomas Fretwell, bringing theology to life. Welcome back to the Theology and Apologetics podcast. This is our 10-minute devotion series. On today's episode, we will be looking at the subject of taking refuge in the Lord. We will look at the cities of refuge from Joshua chapter 20. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. I would just like to remind you that this is a listener-supported podcast and we really need and value your support. Become a patron supporter for exclusive benefits and gifts on patron forward slash theology and apologetics. So we are looking at a slightly unusual text this morning that comes from Joshua chapter 20. Let's read it all together and then we'll make our applications today. So this is Joshua chapter 20 verses 1 to 6. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Designate the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who kills any person unintentionally without premeditation may flee there, and they shall become your refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and state his case in the hearing of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into the city to them and give him a place so that he may dwell among them. Now if the avenger of blood pursues him, then they shall not deliver the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbour without premeditation and did not hate him beforehand. He shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then the manslayer shall return to his own city and to his own house, to the city from which he fled. So that is the famous cities of refuge passage from Joshua chapter 20. It can be a little obscure. I'm hoping to bring some spiritual light to it today. It is an important issue in the Old Testament. We may not understand it as New Testament Christians, but we find these cities mentioned in a number of texts, Exodus chapter 12, Numbers 35 and Deuteronomy 19. The fact that we have them mentioned a number of times in these texts should tell us something about their importance, particularly from a Jewish perspective. In fact, there were six cities of refuge. There were three on each side of the Jordan River. Now, by way of Old Testament context, the ancient Near East context, There was a principle of retributive justice in the ancient world, and it was quite brutal, and there was no penal system, there was no prisons like this, so things were a little bit more Wild West than we would be used to today. And the retributive justice was a deterrent for murder. If you kill someone, you get killed. However, this was a system that was easily abused. People who were in charge could bring false charges against someone and simply have them killed. And this is where we see the cities of refuge coming in. They were to be a place where someone who killed someone and it wasn't premeditated murder could receive a fair trial without being avenged by relatives or someone who might want to hurt him. It was a very practical judicial purpose that was given for these cities. However, not looking at that very practical way, I do want to make some spiritual application here because I believe there's a deeper truth that we can learn from this. Most commentators do recognise there is a deep spiritual significance to these cities and this is warranted due to the unique aspects like the death of the high priest in Jerusalem setting them free, the access available to them and even in their names you find hints of a greater truth. And this shouldn't surprise us. Let me quote you Hebrews 10:7. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. 
the author of Hebrews, quoting from Psalm 40, verse 7, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. So even in these obscure Old Testament passages, we should not be surprised when we see hints of uh, a greater truth pointing to our Messiah. God is often talked about as a refuge in the Bible. Psalm 9 verse 9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now with this in mind, from our New Testament perspective, the cities of refuge actually provide us with a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, who is our refuge. Let's look at a few things that show this. Now, the first thing is actually the fact that the command for the cities of refuge are part of the Old Testament law. And it is the law which decrees judgment and death. You could say that in this scenario, it is the law that is the avenger of blood. And what does Paul say about the law? Galatians 5.24, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by death. The law is what points people to Christ. In one sense, the law is described as actually convicting us of sin, making us see our sin, and in that sense, killing us, but also pointing us to the Saviour who resurrects us. It leads people to Christ. And in this sense, in the Old Testament context, it points them towards a city of refuge. Exactly what we see going on here. Let me read to you Deuteronomy 19, verses 2 and 3. It's fascinating. You shall set aside three cities for yourself in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God gives you to possess. You shall prepare the roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God will give you as a possession so that any manslayer may flee there. So this is another parallel passage dealing with the cities of refuge. Now, the little phrase in verse three, you shall prepare the roads for yourself. It's fascinating to learn what rabbinic tradition teaches about this verse. They, they came up with six principles that had to be followed from their interpretation of you shall prepare the roads. The first one was, one, the roads were to be in excellent condition. Two, the roads were required to be 48 feet across, so it's no small road. Number three, all obstructions were to be removed from the road. Number four, there were to be no mounds or rivers without bridges going over them on these roads. Number five, at every turn, there were signposts bearing the word refuge. And number six, runners were appointed to accompany the person fleeing. Now, I find this fascinating. These roads had to be so clear that they actually had literal signposts with the word refuge on them, making sure that they pointed towards a city of refuge where someone who is found guilty or someone who is under the punishment of the law at this stage and could be killed was to find refuge and have a fair hearing. There were actually literal signposts that said this. And is this not a wonderful picture of what the law does to us? All pointing towards the Messiah. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Jesus said the same, didn't he? In John 5, 39, he said to the Pharisees, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Now, this bit that we read in Joshua about only being able to go free when the high priest dies in Jerusalem. This is an amazing uh, an unusual principle again, but it gives us a wonderful picture. Just like if we could make spiritual application, we were under the curse of sin and death decreed by the law until when? 
until a high priest died in Jerusalem. The high priest, in fact. This is the message of the book of Hebrews. It says in Colossians, doesn't it, 2.13 and 14, that the certificate of debt against us that comes from the law, our transgressions, they were cancelled, they were nailed to the cross, and that's how he got rid of them. This is the same as what the high priest was doing for us. This is what the book of Hebrews is about. Hebrews 7, verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, then for the people's sins, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. You see, our high priest rose again to live, and he will never die again. Therefore, we are eternally secure in him unlike the temporal manner of the the cities of refuge, but it points to this greater truth. The cities of refuge is actually the background to the passage we find in Hebrews 6, verse 17 to 20. Let me just read it to you. Listen to the language. It's Joshua language. It's cities of refuge language. Chapter 17, Hebrews 6. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have strong consolation, listen, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. It says they have fled for refuge. This is language drawn straight from the principle of the cities of refuge from Joshua chapter 20. And Hebrews is making the application and the argument that this high priest lives forever. Therefore, all who flee to him for refuge are safe eternally. All of our safety and security is found in Jesus, who is the ultimate city of refuge. That's all for our 10-minute devotion today. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. You've been listening to Theology and Apologetics. This podcast is supported by your generous donations. To help us continue to bring you great content, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash theologyandapologetics. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please leave us a review and remember to connect with us on social media. For more resources, please go to theologyandapologetics.com. Thanks for listening.